Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning. It's good to be here. Good to be together. And uh, these next few weeks, we're going to be walking through a series. And uh, I really feel like it's a pertinent series for where we are as a church, where we are, honestly, where I am individually, where I think God has been challenging me. And, and this series is called Praying for a Change. And there's really two different facets to this, because what happens is this, is even if you've grown up in church or if you've been a believer, a follower of Jesus, or maybe this is all foreign to you, a lot of times we can go about our lives and as things get difficult, things get tricky, things get hard, we, we try everything else, right? We'll, we'll, we'll look at every book, every self-help system, every process and procedure. We'll give our best efforts and, and all of this stuff. We'll try and compute it out and figure out all the data but sometimes I think it's pertinent for us just to sit back and instead of trying everything else, why don't we pray for a change? Why don't we seek the heart of God first and foremost? Why don't we trust in his power, in his hand, in his might? But then there's another component to this as I was really trying to set out how we were going to start off 2024 is, this, is sometimes I think we can pray but we don't necessarily pray for something to happen. You guys ever been there? Like, like you, you, you just realize that all of your prayer life is just, it's just on autopilot. It's just you're praying these little prayers and, and you're, like the biggest prayer that you pray is asking God to bless your hamburger. Like, cause that's a miracle. But oftentimes we don't actually pray and believe that God, the infinite God, the God of the universe, the God who sustains us, the God who created us, the God who imagined every little cell and every being, it's that God that we are praying to so we can pray for some big things and expect God to move in some big ways. Amen? And so as these next few weeks go along, we're going to be looking in the Bible at some prayers that were prayed by different people. And finding out how do we take these prayers from the Bible and apply them? How can they encourage us? How can they help grow us? And so today, I actually want to talk to you around the title of unsafe and sound. Yeah, you heard me right. Unsafe and sound. I, I don't know if you've realized this, but I'm sure probably a lot of your most distinct memories are, are times where you felt unsafe. Right, you could even right now, like the, the scared, the most scared that you've ever been, or or these certain vivid memories that you have. It's it's probably moments where you were doubting your safety and, and protection. And and I remember uh, when we were growing up, we used to go on road trips all the time. And I'm not talking like these like sissy road trips, like three or four or five hours. I'm talking like 18 to 20 hour road trips in a van with my two older brothers, my parents, and sometimes a dog. And we'd go on these road trips, and I remember uh, my dad would do, you know, majority of the driving, and I remember one time when I was a teenager, my dad was driving, and I guess he was getting a little bored with the, the highway, just, you know, there's only so many mile markers you can, you can read, and, and as we're driving, my mom was sleeping in the passenger seat, and, and she's there laying down, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like paying attention to my dad, and, and he starts driving really close to the, the car in front of us. I'm like, what is he doing? Because he's normally, he's a little slow, um, he's normally like extra careful and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, what is he doing? And, and then I started to piece it together. You see, the car that was in front of us was actually a tow truck that was, it was towing a tractor trailer. But I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like it was the, it was the, the, the tractor part, not the trailer part. They tow them backwards. And so he pulled right up on this tractor trailer that was facing towards us. He gets right up on it. 
And all in this one fell swoop, he slams the brake, he yells, Trace, and then puts his hand on her lap. And she wakes up and she sees this tractor trailer as we are going 65 miles an hour down the road. And I think that we had to stop in the next restroom. And I'm sure there's probably different memories that you have of moments that you were terrified or you were scared. And I still have memories. I, I got a, a Christmas gift and it was a, like kind of a prank Christmas gift because when I was like nine years old, I had nightmares about the Care Bears and I still am scarred by Care Bears. And I, half you don't even know what the Care Bears are, but... But whether you realize it or not, safety has actually become one of our most predominant needs. Honestly, even above anything else, above comfort, above luxury, above anything, we value safety. Wars are fought, walls are built, security systems installed, all sorts of different protocols put in place. Many times we don't even realize that the way that we operate in our day-to-day life is that we're trying to protect ourselves. And, and I, I'm not saying that protecting yourself physically is a bad thing, but, but sometimes we can get so scarred and, and then this, this posture where we're protecting ourselves from everybody else around us instead of ministering to the people that we're supposed to be ministering to. And it's, it's funny that even in the craziest of circumstances, it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, millionaire, or somebody begging on the street, if something happens, you'll jump right underneath the table or you'll jump right behind a barrier with no regard for how you look or what you have or anything like that. We crave safety. Every mom in the room is, is sitting here and they're, they're, they're like extra safe. There's a difference between dad safe and mom safe. If you guys ever can, gonna get it, amen, anyone? The things that are allowed when mom's home versus when mom's not home, completely different types of safety. <laughs> There's a very hearty amen there, huh? And the reality is this, is I'm, not, I'm not sitting here telling you that you shouldn't lock your doors and that you shouldn't buckle your seatbelt. But what I am challenging you is this, is that sometimes the idea of safety can become so pervasive that it actually begins to affect our spiritual life. That instead of operating in the fullness of who God has called us to be, we operate and walk in safety and protection and just trying to cause the least amount of ripples in life as possible when that is the exact opposite of what God has called us to do. God is calling our church, I believe this year, to be a bold church. To be a church that is so much beyond our need for comfort and complacency and safety that we would reach out in unsafe ways and in unsafe uh, mannerisms, that we would reach out and be the church that God is calling us to be. And I believe that starts today. And it starts not just with us corporately. It starts with us individually. I believe that God is calling us to be bold. And as I was praying, God led me to one of my favorite scriptures and the book of Acts. And so we're gonna be in Acts chapter four today. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open it up. And just to give you a little context of what's happening here, this is the early church. And I'm not talking about like the early, I'm talking the early, early, early church. That, that not long after Jesus had ascended and the Holy Spirit had come at Pentecost, that God had added to their number that 3,000 on that day. And now all of a sudden you have Peter and John who are, who are coming out and they're, they're now being bold in their faith and they're being assertive in the mission that God has called them to, which was what? To go and be 
go and make disciples of all nations, to go and represent the kingdom of God, to go and proclaim the gospel to those who had not heard the good news. And as they're going, one day they actually go to the temple. And just for, just for a little context here, there, there was three times throughout the day that many Jewish people would go to the temple on a daily basis. Some of y'all, it's hard enough to get here on a Sunday morning at 10, right? But could you imagine they're going every day and, and, and Peter and John and the other disciples, when they're going, they're not just going just to pray. They're going with the mindset to look out where are the opportunities for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus? And so they go one day and there's this man who is begging at this gate and, and he's been crippled for 40 years and he's, he's begging and he's just asking for a little bit of a handout, a little bit of money. Can you just give me something so I can eat today? And I'm sure many passed by and maybe some threw some in the plate, but many disregarded this man. And Peter and John, they look over and they see this man and he's, he's crippled and he's begging and he's probably been there day after day after day. And, and this man asks, do you have anything that you can give to me? And I love the response that, that Peter, he, he's like, look me in the eyes. And I want to tell you that silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have is this. Get up in the name of Jesus and be healed. And you know what happened? The dude got up and he was healed. And he walked around proclaiming what Jesus through his disciples had done for him. And he begins shouting and praising and worshiping and it starts to cause a scene here and now he goes in the temple and there's all these people that are here for prayer at this dedicated time and they're looking around and they're, wasn't that the guy that we've seen and we've passed by again and again and again and again and again? How is he healed? And this begins to draw some attention and Peter, in this moment, in the midst of this crowd, begins to proclaim that this man was healed in the name of Jesus. It wasn't with any fancy system or protocol. It wasn't any sort of magic or mysticism. It was in the name of Jesus that this man got up and walked. And this is the same Jesus that you rejected. That he is the one that was prophesied from generations and generations ago to come and rescue our people. And as they begin to proclaim, what's happening is this, is the, the rulers and elders of the, the temple, they come and they're looking around like, what is going on here? And they get a little scared and they come and they actually uh, begin to, uh, to, to try and stifle Peter and John and what's happening here. But even in the midst of obstacles, it says that their number was 5,000 on that day in the church. And these rulers and elders, they come and they arrest Peter and John and they pull them aside. They throw them in jail for the night. And the next day, they come and they ask questions to Peter and John. Who is it that you do these miracles in? What name is it that you proclaim over this? And they say, only the name of Jesus. For he is the cornerstone that the builders rejected. And you are the ones who crucified him. And in the midst of the same council, the same committee that had put Jesus up to be killed. Just months later, here Peter, the man who denied Jesus to a middle school girl months ago, is now proclaiming in the face of the enemy, in the face of adversity, in the face of persecution, 
He says, no, it's not in any other power but the name of Jesus. I'm not going to be bashful. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to hide this. I'm going to declare that you were the ones. You, You killed him, but you know what? It was actually to God's good because he had prophesied this. And now this is the response that we pick up in verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. There is so much in that verse right there. That verse is so good. Because it's the picture of what the church should be like. Because it's, it's this, that people should observe boldness. Write this down. People should observe boldness in my life. People should look at me and they should see that I am bold in my faith. That even in the face of opposition, it says when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. In the Greek, you know what this word is? Idiotes. Do you know what word we get from idiotes? I think I was called it a few thousand times as a youngest brother. Idiot. They're looking at these men and they say, look at these idiots. You see, you got to understand from the, the, the scribes and the scholars' perspective, these, these elders, they weren't just anybody. They weren't just any Joe Blow. No, these were the guys that they had given their whole life to memorize the Torah, to, to, to get in the Jewish, uh, like all the history of everything that happened. And they were, they were memorizing all of the, the, the laws and all the procedures and all of the protocols and all of the scriptures and all of the prophecies. And they would get in it and they would pray it and they would just rehearse it again and again and again and again. And they were holding themselves to the highest standard. And so they're looking at these men and like, you, you didn't go to Harvard. You didn't go to Yale. You didn't study under rabbi whatever. You're just this common man that you were actually out fishing. We, we, we saw you fishing. So what are you doing here? How can you be so bold? And the boldness of God will call you beyond your ability. I just want to tell you, if people can look at the results of your life and logically deduce that you are capable of achieving them, then I'm afraid you are missing out on the specialness that God has called you to. I'm going to say that again. If people can look at your life and they see the results of what you are producing, what's, what's happening in your life and through your life, and they can logically deduce that it was you you are missing out on the calling that God has placed in your life because the calling of God is far beyond what you are capable of doing in and of your own power. People should look and stare and say, what in the world is going on? How did they accomplish that? And you can say it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit, only through the providence of God, a perfect father who reaches far beyond my capabilities. Can I tell you, this is the heart for for myself and for this church. And I believe we're already seeing that. That people can look and say, like, who's this guy, right? I'm perfectly okay if we have people come in and say, like, like, man, there's some people here and there's some lives being changed, but is this guy, that guy's the one leading this thing? Or or, or this church that's only 15, 16 months old, they're doing all of that. They they gave all that money away. They, They helped provide for all these needs. Because I want to be so unapologetically dependent on the power of God that it doesn't add up, that the math doesn't work out. I hope people scratch their heads when they look at me. And I hope people scratch their heads when they look at you. 
That's my dad. He scratched his head a lot looking at me growing up. Wow. Let's continue. It's the only thing I can do now. Verse 14. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, listen to this, listen to this. They had nothing to say in opposition. You know what the world discounts? Our showiness. Our false pretense. Our performance. But you know what they can't discount? When God in his sovereignty reaches down and actually moves and does something great. So my heart is not that we would come and we'd be able to put on a a, a nice show and entertain you and and build a nice church, a big crowd, and that we can do all the fancy things that the big churches do and all this kind of stuff. Because the world can look at that and laugh, but they cannot look at at people who are transformed and changed by the power of the gospel. They can't just look. They have to. They they can't understand it. They have to dive in and wonder. we, We have nothing to say in opposition to when God actually moves in all his power. It says, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred to one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I want you to underline this, highlight it, circle this, and we cannot deny it. You cannot deny the true work of God. Pharaoh tried. So many people have tried in history. But in the end, when people experience a move of God, it's beyond denial. It says, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. You see, what had happened is this, again, this is the same council that months before, they'd put Jesus up on this this mock trial to get him killed. And they thought, man, this will finally be the end of this whole Jesus thing. May we just never hear the name again. And all of a sudden, these disciples who had had been in hiding for a little bit until the Holy Spirit came upon them, they come out with boldness and audacity to say that Jesus, he, he is God, but he's not even dead anymore. He's risen from the grave. And now they're coming before this council that thought they had dealt with it and saying, no, surely he is alive. They have nothing to do. They are powerless. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Let's see if that works. Let's, let's see if that, that works out for them, right? But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Can I tell you this morning, the commands of God override everything. I don't care where you work. I don't care what the government says. I don't care. Listen, Christians, 90% of the time, should be the best citizens, the best workers, all that kind of stuff. But when there comes a moment when the government tries to come against what God is saying that you should be for, when the government tries to inhibit what God is saying you should be doing, when your workplace begins to stifle the very mission and purpose that God put you on this earth, can I tell you something? The Bible says that the Bible wins. 
There are moments that you have to look around and you know what? That doesn't mean there won't be consequences. That doesn't mean that you you won't get written up in a report. But can I tell you something? I'd so much rather be faithful to the word of God and the calling that God has placed on my life than to bow down to what my boss says, to what my coworkers say, or to what the governor says. Hear me. That is when the Bible is in opposition, not when your preferences are in opposition. There is a big difference. You see, over the last few years, I think there was a lot of preferences that were driving how we behaved and responded rather than being grounded in the word of God. But there comes this point in time where we have to say, if we've really seen the work in the hand of God, if we've really heard the truth of the gospel, then we cannot be silent any longer. And that doesn't just mean on a Sunday morning. That does not mean just when we're serving on a serve team. That does not mean just when we're at community group. That means that everywhere, everything that we do should be proclaiming the good news of the gospel that Jesus has saved a wretch like you and I and redeemed us from eternity apart from him. It says in verse 21, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Write this down. Others are impacted by my boldness. Others are impacted by my boldness. I want you to catch the picture here. This is, this is a great day in the life of the church that as they proclaimed this in the face of opposition and boldness, it says that 5,000 Men were a part of the church that day. That what was just 120 in an upper room weeks before has now grown to 5,000. And not only that, the man who was sitting, begging day in and day out, it would have been just as easy for them to go and give him a coin or have a little fundraiser to give him a handout. But the man's greatest need was not that he would be provided for, it's that he would be redeemed and saved by the power of of God. Others are impacted by our boldness. And what that means is this, that others are impacted by our lack of boldness. Others are impacted by our fear and our comfort and our complacency that keeps us silent. I'm sure you can even now begin to think of people that you encounter on a regular basis that need the hope of Jesus And what if we began to respond and live in a way that their lives were dependent on us sharing the good news with them? I sat down with my brother who's uh, overseas and this this attitude that that they have is is that what if I'm the only person? What if I'm the only one? What if me sparking a conversation and declaring uh, what God has done in my life is the only opportunity that somebody is ever going to get to hearing the clear gospel? And what if I pass it by? What if I say not today? What if I say that is just too awkward? Others are impacted by our boldness. I love, too, that you know who else is impacted? The rulers and the elders. 
I've been on, I've been on bad committees before. Anybody like you've been on a team or, or a committee or a council or something? You're like, this is the worst, right? Uh, this one takes the cake, though. You see, they thought they had accomplished what they needed to accomplish by killing Jesus, and here it is. Now the church is thriving more than ever. And now they don't even know what to do. They don't even know how to respond because, because of what God did through Peter and John is so evident to people around. They can't deny it. So even the opposition is affected by the boldness of Peter and John. So they let Peter and John go. And Peter and John, they go back to their friends and the rest of the church and the disciples, and they go back and proclaim, well, this is what happened and this is what they said, but we told them we, we, we can't help but speak. We can't help but proclaim. And, and as they do, they go back and they worship together. And they sing together a psalm. And they remember the prophecies, the truth that God had already preordained this and proclaimed that it was going to be. And they reminded themselves of the truth. And many times in the face of opposition, it's not that we need to work ourselves up. It's that we need to ground ourselves better in the truth. Remind ourselves that God is in control. And then verse 29, it says this, as they are praying to God and praising. It says, and now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. In other translations, what it says is this. God, help us to be bold. But, but what? I've already, I've already, did you read the story? Did you hear the story? They seem pretty bold to me. They aren't very bashful and afraid. They aren't hiding and just hoping that maybe somebody will spark a conversation. They are going out in all boldness and clarity and declaring the name of Jesus, even when it makes their situation unsafe. And here they are, and they get back in the presence of God. And what is it that they pray for? Make us bold. Give us Boldness. Let us speak and proclaim your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Can I tell you, they did not ask for their opposition to disappear. Show me in that prayer where they asked for the council to be voted out. Show me in that, that prayer where they asked for, for the, the persecution to go away. They did not pray, pray for their, their enemy to disappear. They prayed for the boldness to stand in the face of the enemy, in face of the opposition, in face of the persecution in front of them, to be bold and clear. I'm not saying you can't pray that your enemy would go away. But I'm saying this. Many times, it's not dependent on the enemy going away. It's on us standing up in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit and moving forward in the face of opposition and adversity. And you know what I tell you this? You're gonna find your faith is encouraged so much more when, when God gives you that providence to walk through the opposition rather than taking it away. You're gonna grow. You're gonna be stretched. You're gonna be marked by it. So our prayer is not just that our, our, our enemies would dissipate, it's that our faith and our boldness would grow and increase. And it says this, and this is the prayer that I have. And when they had prayed, the, 
place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. These people were so dependent. They were so dependent, so reliant on the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that you see just in a few chapters, we see these moments where they were in such intense prayer and worship that the place that they were at began to shake because of the presence and power of an almighty God. And the Holy Spirit filled them to go and do the work of the church that is still enduring to this day. Let us be a people that is so desperate for the presence of God, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let us be a people that will proclaim and continue to speak the word of God with boldness, but you cannot continue what you have not started. And church, I'm telling you today is a day that I believe God wants to start something in you and I to initiate boldness. I want you to write this down. God honors boldness. God honors boldness. You see that even in this situation here, God protected Peter and John. But not only that, you can continue reading chapter after chapter of of how God grew the church, of how God matured the church, how God provided for the church. God protected the church even in persecution, that that God brought everything they needed. God blessed them and, and, and God honored them because of their boldness. God honors boldness. few months ago, I stood up here and talked about something that that our church was going to be stepping into, that God had opened a door for us, for our church, even in its infant stage now, to be able to move into our first permanent facility. And what's what's crazy is I actually remember uh, very clearly the the first time we went to go see this building and I had driven around it a ton and, and how it kind of, you ever get in those situations where it's like this feels beyond you and you know it's the exact place that God wants you to be? I just had that feeling. It's like this, this seems beyond us, which seems like it's perfectly in the hands of where God is. And, and so we went and we took our team and we, we, we looked at the building and again, it was, it was just kind of one of those things that it's like, are we, are we sure? And, and as we prayed, we fasted, and we spent time, we felt like God was saying, yes, this is what he's called us to. And then we go through the whole process of, all right, is this building even going to want us to be there? And, and lo and behold, they come back, and, and we've, we've got a, a deal, you know, verbal deal in place and all this kind of stuff. And, and then we bring it to the church. And, and I remember um, in the process of, of going through the approvals and, and all the different things, there's obviously some big question marks when it comes to something like this. Um, one of the big ones is like, who's going to pay for it? Where's the money coming from? And, uh, and I remember there was, there was one day where I, I, I left a meeting, and, and honestly, I'm just kind of sitting here, and like, we got to do some stuff to this building, and I'm, I'm just, all right, maybe, maybe we can you know, raise some money. I don't, know, I don't know if we can do this. And, and after I prayed and prayed and prayed, um, you know, God gave us this number that, that we were going to raise $250,000 by April 1st. And then 
as big as that's, like, does a quarter of a million dollars seem big to anybody? Right? Some of you are like, I got ramen for dinner last night and $4.58 in savings. And then, and then we're looking at it, we're like, you know what, to do this, we actually, we really need to, to raise a lot of that up front so that we can, uh, you know, we, we can know what we can do with the, the you know, the building and, and getting architects and contractors and all this. And so I'm sitting here and, and honestly, my, my first thought was, do you, you think we can raise like $50,000 by the end of the year? And I, and I was like, that, that seems like a lot of money. And then as I'm praying, God's, you know, just God put this number. He's like, no, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to ask him believe for $150,000 to come in by the end of the year. Does that seem bold? It seemed awful bold to me. And I'm telling you, you may see me up here on the stage and, and I got the, the confidence that comes from this stage comes from a lot of time on my knees and on my face. And so we, we began to, to pray and we, we cast this vision for, for what we were going to raise and uh, do you guys want to know how much we raised by the end of the year? Some of you? Yeah. You, you, you really want to know? Well, we, we got a video here that I, I want to show. Let's go ahead and let's pop this up here. So let's just, just counting up. So we, did we hit our goal? Let's see if we hit our goal. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. We raised $257,960. And 19 cents in six weeks. Don't tell me God can't. Don't tell me God won't. God honors boldness. God honors when we step out in faith into something that seems so far beyond us. I saw that number, and you know what's funny is. Um, after we laid it out there, I was, I just, I went back and forth a lot. I was like, God, I feel like you told me this. I feel like you told me this. And then you know what? Actually, I feel like, I feel like God told me that we were actually going to hit the 250 before the end of the year. And so I, I, I've gotten to this point now where, trust me, it's not enough myself, but I've just gotten to this point now where, where if, if God says it, I just kind of assume it's going to happen. <laughs> it's a good place to be. So I, I was just like, you know what? We're going to hit 250 by the end of the year. And then we're not even like, it's just going to be good. Like we're going to hit our goal by the end of the year. And, uh, I went in the office on Tuesday and we didn't, you know, our offices were closed through the new year and Christmas and, and I get there first thing Tuesday morning and I say, hey, what's the number? And, and they told me a number and I was like, well, that ain't it. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking, I'm like, I'm excited. I'm like, it was a good number, but I'm like, I just, I, I, I knew, God told me we're gonna hit 250 by the end of the year. I kid you not. Our accountant kept coming up and saying, oh, we got another check. Oh, we, we got another match that came through. Or, oh, we had this other thing that happened that, that it was, it was uh, in, in this account, but it's actually for open door. And by the end of the day, Tuesday, where I, I was like, I felt like we're going to hit it. All of a sudden, we hit 257. 257,000. I went back to my office and I cried. I'm not even joking. I cried. And I, I cried out of joy and and knowing that God came through, but I cried because of this. God, forgive me for any of the moments that I doubted. That you are the God who can do immeasurably more than all I could ask, think, or imagine according to your power, not my power. And here's the thing, church. God gave us a bold dream. 
And he's given us a bold opportunity. He gave us a bold need. And through your faithfulness and sacrifice, God came through. God provided. But this is just a tool. Can I tell you something? Not one life is going to be changed and saved by $257,000. There will not be one person that goes into eternity because even if we gave a million dollars, there's not one person that's going to enter eternity just because we got a, a fancy sign on a nice new building. It is a tool that he's given us to use to accomplish our mission. I do woodworking on the side and I like to build furniture and, and do th- different things. And, and uh, it's just one of those, those things that I have that I, I like to, to do. And what's funny though is, is I was a musician for all my life. And when you're a musician, what's, what's it that you want? You just want more gear, right? More equipment. Well, when you start building stuff, all you want is more tools, right? That's, that's just like, you just get an itch. You just want a new tool, this, that, whatever. Well, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. And the other day I was, I was just kind of thinking about this because I, I felt like God said, this is a tool. This is something I've placed in your hands. This is not the end all be all. This is, this is something that I'm using alongside you to make a difference in this area, but it, it's not the difference. And I was just kind of thinking of a tool. You know what's crazy is the things that we build nowadays, the things that, that, that I get tools for, it's to make jobs easier, efficient, and all of that. But I can look hundreds of years ago and there was some dude in a little shed making tables and furniture that could outclass me all day long. So hear me, it is not about the tool. We can't just rest and trust in the fact that we got a building, that we got the money, we got this, that we can sit back and, and, and everything's gonna happen. No, this is, the, this is the, the moment that I pray that God gives us even more boldness and faith to push ahead because he's a provider and sustainer and he's put this tool in our hands because he trusts us for something big because there's people all around us that need the hope of the gospel, that need the power of Jesus to show up in their lives in a real and tangible way and it is our job. It's not the job of the building. It's not the job of the dollar bill in the bank account. It's the job of God's people. So whether we have lots of tools or very little, our job is to build. And we're not just building for anything. We're building on a kingdom that will not be shaken. In the face of all opposition, we can have boldness and faith and trust in what God has called us to do. Do we believe it? And some of you this morning, you, I know you, you, you had New Year's resolutions and, and you've done this year after year where you're like, I'm going to read my Bible more and I'm going to pray more and I'm going to share my faith more. And I'm going to be more outspoken and I'm not going to be as bashful and, and hiding my faith and what God's doing in my life. And I get it because I've been there. Can I tell you something? Your boldness does not come from just changing your behavior. Your boldness is initiated in your identity. Your most predominant behaviors come from your most prominent identity. So today, I'm not asking you just to go and change your behavior and be more bold. I believe this. When you rest in the identity of a follower of Jesus Christ, that's not a hat you take off. Right? We, we, learn, we wear lots of hats nowadays, right? You, you go to work and you put on your accounting hat and, and then you, you go to the gym and you put on your, you know, your gym hat and then you go home and now you're a dad and then you put the kids to bed and now you put on your, your husband hat and, and all this and so on and so forth and you do all these different things and then you come to church and then like, oh, now I'm a follower of Jesus. Now I'm a believer of Jesus. Can I tell you something? 
when you get in those modes and you put on your different hat and you start to wear that identity of whatever situation you're in, your behavior follows that. I can check into pastor mode and even if my son's running down the aisle, I'm, I'm in a different mode than if I'm the one in charge of my son in this moment, right? And so above all else, I'm not a pastor. Above all else, I'm not a husband. Above all else, I'm not a father. Above all else, I'm not a friend. Above all else, I'm not a leader. Above all else, I'm not a sports fan. No, above all else, I'm a follower of Jesus. And when I take that identity on and it becomes the most pervasive thing in my life, that's when boldness comes. Because the mission isn't optional. The behavior isn't optional. It's mandatory, and it becomes a reflex that if I'm a follower of Jesus, no matter where I go, who I'm around, what I'm doing, boldness is sure to come because moments that require boldness are sure to come as well. So this morning as we wrap up, I want to leave us with a scripture that we're going to spend a few moments praying through. In 2 Corinthians 3.12, This is a passage where he's talking about the differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. That the old covenant required all this work and this uncertainty and effort and energy. But Jesus came and it says this in verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So I'm actually, I'm gonna get out of the way. I'm gonna give you a moment if you have a, a journal, your Bible, whatever it is that you want to underline right through. And I want to give you a moment with the Holy Spirit to reflect on this verse. What does this verse mean to you? What would this verse look like if you put it into practice in your life this week? Just begin to pray through it. Keep your eyes on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal a truth to you. And I'll pray for us in just a moment. God, we thank you that we are no longer bound to sin, living in despair, but we have hope in what Jesus did on the cross. And because you were bold in what you did for us, Jesus, we want to be bold in how we live for you. 
So God, would you give us boldness today? Holy Spirit, would you give us boldness today? Help us to see our identity not in anything else, but as a follower, disciple of you. I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're gonna read this truth together. Put this on the screen. Let's say this together. Holy Spirit, with your help, based on the truth found in 2 Corinthians 3.12, I will boldly live out the hope of the gospel. Can we do that this week? Not in our own strength, not in our own effort, not in in just manipulating our our behaviors for a season because that'll fade, but trusting in the hope of the gospel that we can boldly live out the hope that so many people need. God, would you give us boldness today? God, would you give us assurance today that when you speak it, it is true? God, remind us of the calling that we have to go and to make disciples of all nations, to be your hands and your feet, to be the ones that are reaching those who are far from you. God, give us boldness. God, give every person in this room boldness with how they live their lives, with how they lead their families, with how they respond to people around them, with the way they behave at their workplace, in their families, in their houses, in every area, God, that we would walk in boldness. God, I pray that you would grant us a boldness in our prayer life. God, help us to not pray wimpy, tired prayers, but God, to trust in you, to depend on you, to seek you, to lean into you, to believe that you can do far above what we could ask or imagine. God, I pray that you would give us boldness in every area of our lives. God, we we don't have to feel safe all the time, but Lord, we know we are sound within your presence because we know your plan is perfect and we know that you work all things out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, give us boldness, give us faith, give us assurance today. Help us not to doubt, not to fear, not to shrink back, not to be apathetic, not to be complacent, but God, to push forward in the calling that you have given us. God, that you have called us to more. We believe it today. We proclaim it to get today. This will be a year of boldness in our lives and in our church. And we pray this in the perfect and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship church.